Jerry Jones' mansion. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Ooh, Jerry Jones. Yeah, he hooked it up, man. He's given us the space to work here, and uh, I really appreciate it, even though I think that he has uh, kind of one of the... He's underratedly bad. How about that? <laughs> Jerry Jones is looking very, very old because he is very, very old. Hey, don't Jerry- talk about Skeletor that way. His window is closing. His window is closing. Jerry Jones is very clearly an illustration of the type of cred that Super Bowls can buy you because he's been coasting <laughs> on that shit for 20 years. <laughs> uh, welcome back to From the Seahawks Nest. I'm your host, Eric Ronnebeck. With me is the man who lost a year to Crystal Pepsi. Kevin Garber. <laughs> I won't do the song again. I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm so glad. Maybe if you guys uh, donate on Patreon, I'll do I'll do the official Crystal Pepsi song for you. But I want people to donate so you'll take a sip of Crystal Pepsi. Oh, it's going to be a big donation. <laughs> and to my uh, left is and the Patreon hasn't launched yet. You guys have only just seen the sneak preview. But I will say, let's start hyping it now. There are awesome rewards for people to uh, to to join the From the Hawks Nest Patreon. And I, I'm like really proud of the work I did on that thing. So. <laughs> that Seahawks Nest Patreon is big. There's gonna be some big shouts involved. Yeah, there's an opportunity to come to my house. <laughs> wow, do we have to be here for that? No, I mean they, the the Patreon reward is that they get to. I I, mean, I don't want to reveal too much, but they get to record a podcast with us. That's you just revealed it all. That is Nathan Santo giving out his his home to people. It's like he's giving the milk for free. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: is I get their address too. So there you go. Yeah, it's even that's part of it. It's Fair trade. As long as they have an address. If you need to get in contact <laughs> with us, you can find us on Twitter at Seahawks Nest. Find us on Facebook. You can also shoot us an email, a podcast at From the Hawks Nest. I guess I could have them Skype in and maybe not actually have them at my house. Or we could do one of those really cool episodes like we did that one time where we did it in the restaurant. That yeah. was fun. Nathan that's what we is, do is on very site. quickly backtracking from Mommy's Dumpling House. Oh, the Mommy's Dumpling House does not want to sponsor our podcast. They have no choice now. They barely speak English, (laughs) which is good because that means the food is excellent. Yes, absolutely. That food's really good. When you go in and you're the only white person there, you know it's going to be good food. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's ethnic food, but it's not made for white people. Oh, it's going to be real. And they can still speak English uh, so I can just the menu. Just Just enough. enough. (laughs) Just enough. Uh, all right, let's talk Vikings game that we lost. Uh, oh darn! It made me. I feel so bad now. That we lost this season's over. <laughs> season's over, guys. I'm done. Hey man, Blair like, Walsh made up for last year, I guess. With just this like one. Denver got a Denver got their revenge in the preseason. So did the Vikings, and it's that's the revenge it's I just will as lose. Meaningful. It's just as meaningful. That's right. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather have won the preseason game. I think. And Blair no. Walsh missing another field goal. <laughs> <laughs> that poor, poor bastard. It was cool, though. We got to uh, retire his number, and he got to see that. That was really cool. So, yeah, an 18-11 loss. Uh, gentlemen, what were your thoughts on the game? Let's let's go offense. Okay, uh, I'll start. I thought that uh, – I want to talk about Kenny Lawler. Uh, I think Kenny Lawler looks really good on offense, and I am afraid that he is not going to make the team because he doesn't play special teams. And it's one of those things where the guy, the guy played at Cal – and he played uh, every snap as the number one receiver. And, you know, a lot of teams aren't like Pittsburgh Steelers, and they don't play their number one receiver at punt returner because that's stupid. And so, uh, yeah, the Kenny Lawler has never done any kind of – he's not busting up his hands on special teams, and I'm worried that now he's he's going to miss out to Kevin Smith or Cason Williams because he's he's not quite – I thought, but he looks really good, and I'm excited about his potential, and I hope that if we do end up cutting him, 
he finds his way back to the practice squad. Can I give you a theory on that? So I have this theory where I think, uh, if you look, so Brandon Williams dropped two more passes. Uh, I have the annual spatula hands dropping a pass noted <laughs> in my, uh, my game log at, let's get this, let's get this down. Poor Luke Wilson. Uh, who? Luke Wilson. I just, when you say spatula hands, I want everyone to know who oh, we're talking about. spatula hands. Okay. You're talking about spatula hands. So. By the way, I love you, Luke Wilson. You're Canadian. Uh, I'm sorry that we're doing this to you. <laughs> uh, I have it here. <laughs> Two minutes, ten seconds remaining in the second quarter. Spatula hands drops the ball over the middle that would have been a first down. Okay. Do you want to, want to hear the R lad scouting report for, uh, for Luke Wilson? Just the first four year, four words. Okay. Three year starter, Canadian. <laughs> that's my description of Luke Wilson as well. That's a good. That's a good one. A, that makes him more likable. That's all right. Hey Nathan, let me let me ask. Do you think that Casey Williams had? You do believe that he has a better chance to make this team? Yeah, than, I think that the king. The experience factor is big here. I mean, the Seahawks have obviously kept it around for two years. It's not like he's out there screwing up. He's not. Hurt. I don't feel like he's hurting his chances to make the team. And I think that the seniority is going to play a factor here. Where Lawler, it's going to come down to like Lawler, Smith, and Williams. I don't think we're keeping more than five wide receivers, especially if none of them play special teams. Here's the thing: I think in a world where Vanette replaces Luke Wilson, and we end up carrying two tight ends, I think there's no way we're going into the season without three tight ends. I, I don't know. I could that, see us. The Jimmy Graham injury is going to scare us off from that. That's that. I can see what you're saying, and we keep six. I I could get there, but it seems more likely to me that we'll keep three tight ends. Especially now that Tuku off is on the roster, and we're going to keep a fullback too. Well, he might be a defensive tackle though for I mean roster. He gets to swing, but like it's still one less guy, you know, one less spot. Because we're also not carrying uh, Coleman like we were last year, so we're not carrying any pure fullbacks. What? I'm just kidding. Ah, <laughs> boo! That was a deafness joke. Yeah, for sorry, I couldn't. Those of you just got to get one joke in every podcast. Put a dollar in the bite me, me jar. Makes me feel like I'm going to hell. That's that's <laughs> why I got to get one of those in every podcast. Now I'm good. Um, the that offensive, your Reddit joke the offensive the line, the offensive line, uh, I think is not terrible. Surprisingly, not terrible. I don't know what to feel anymore. Uh, I thought we would be just awful, and we were merely bad. Well, you said you didn't know what to feel, but. Is it the middle of the line's really good and Justin Britt's really yeah, good? Yeah, Justin Britt is man. Justin Britt yeah. is making He's me shut up, and I love that. There. Like I, Justin Britt, it it's so weird because may, I don't know if he was afraid that he couldn't snap the ball or what, but he should have done this move a long time ago because this plays to every single one of his strengths. His footwork is incredible, and he's so powerful, and he has really good. Like fundamentals, so he's just in there, just doing exactly what he should be doing. Those stone shoes went from liability to anchor. <laughs> yeah, to now anchor. he just anchors him to the ground, and he's <laughs> awesome. I, I I'm really happy for him because he seems like a cool guy. He's like E Honda. He's kind of kind of a weirdo. <laughs> that was for you, Brett. Yeah, he's kind of a great. weirdo, which you know I kind of like. I yeah, always appreciate like those guys more. who are kind of a weirdo. Why is he a weirdo? What's he done? He just does his every period here like a radio interview with him. He's just kind of he's just a different cat, man. He rocks the beat of his own drum, and he. Just I like that. I like guys that are like that. He fits in with the team in that way. I agree. You know, that's uh, the point I wanted to bring up was uh, the offensive line in the run game. That's if you look consistently. So last week we talked about how it was kind of a depleted Kansas City defensive line. There were some injuries. But this week we played against a full health Minnesota defensive line that's one of the best in football. Yeah, Minnesota yeah. has a good just defense overall. Their yeah. defense is like... 
it's coming up the way ours came up five years ago. Like their defense is on the rise. They're the next great defense in the NFL. Yeah. If they don't screw it up. Yeah, if they don't do something to mess it up, of course. And, and they get to play looked, inside. They get to play inside next year, which I think you, I think people are underrating how much that's going to help Teddy Bridgewater, and it's going to help. Uh, they're just their defense play it better. They're they're just going to play faster because playing in that stone field out there in Minnesota, University of Minnesota is it's brutal. It's brutal what they were doing. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is, if you looked, our offensive line was basically able to crack down and just push their entire defensive line in one direction. Our run, and our if run a offense, running back just takes what's there, it's like four yards every time. Run that offense is, is impressive. Play. The run offense is impressive. And I'm sad we're not going to get to see Walls till, or Rawls sorry, until the last game of the preseason. Like That makes me a little sad that was announced today that, that we're not going to see him in the third game. But the, the other running backs have looked okay other than Collins. Actually, Collins looked good against Minnesota. He didn't really get to run the ball at all against uh, um, Kansas City. But against Minnesota, for the few snaps he played with the first and second team, once that George Fant line gets in there, things get ugly fast because that line is just not good. And I don't. And I want to say something about this, too. Even if Alex Collins does look kind of bad or kind of lost, there's no way that Troy Main Pope is going to make the team over Alex Collins. Or George Farmer, by, for that by, matter. Tremaine Pope is running all over thir- third team defenses, and that's cool, and that's good. It shows that he has potential. But Tremaine Pope is like the kind of guy that would run over a third team defense, and I'm not 100% <laughs> sure that that is going to translate into, oh, now he's going to run over a first team defense. He doesn't have the kind of upside potential of a Alex Collins who we can, you can go back and watch his, his college tape. You can watch him blow guys up blocking on defense, because that's the problem with the thing people say is he can't block. You can watch him blow guys up blocking um, the defenders, and you can watch him run really well for Arkansas. Catches um, the ball. This well, is... if you watch, he showed some wiggle in the second quarter. He caught this little slip pass um, and turned up field, shook a defender, raced up the sideline, and picked up a really nice gain, and those are the types of plays he can make. And I really and hope that's against that... first-team defense. I really hope that Zach Brooks and Tremaine Pope make it back to the practice squad because I don't think either of them – have a realistic path to making the team at this point. I agree. Uh, just because if we're, I think we're committed to keeping Collins. I think Collins is in, which means we got Rawls, Michael, Collins, and Proceeds. Unless we're keeping five running backs, which is kind of a lot if we're having a fullback now, which it seems like we are. Uh, we have two on the roster. They're both swing defensive tackles, but I mean, we do have two on the roster right now. Uh, then. I hope those guys find their way back to the practice squad. Same as Kenny Lawler. They have tons of potential, and I'd really like to see them continue to develop as Seahawks. What do you guys think about Russell Wilson so far in the preseason? It's two games against two defenses that are good defenses. He's, he's looking a little thin. He is getting the ball out slow, and I'm not 100% sure what's going on there. If that's a... Like, they told him to go out there and watch the plays develop and see if you see what happens or what. But I looked at the time to pass stats and they, they're pretty slow. And that I'm thinking that there's something going on there because last year and the year before that, he was the fastest guy in the NFL getting the ball out. And I don't think that's just something that changes overnight. So I think that they're telling him, go out there, watch a play develop, let stuff happen. And if you have to hold it a long time, oh, well, like it's not like just throw it away or just force it in there and make a pass. 
he got rid of some quick in the first game, like those first two passes. But overall, what I'm saying is that he's held the ball a little long. Uh, I was just going to say that the, the knock that I've had on him is that he does hold on to the ball too long. And it's, I don't know if he's missing his reads or what. I know we're not, that we talked about our offensive line getting better, especially up the middle, but we're still allowing the edge rushers to come in. And that's a nightmare as Russell now has to step up in the pocket. And a big knock on Russell is his height. <clears throat> and we here at the at Seahawks Nest say, screw you, that's not a big deal. Except when he has to step up in the pocket and you've got, you know, guys who are near a foot taller than you, you know, right ahead of you, it is hard to see around and over those guys. I mean, he took four sacks. Like, that's that's a rough outing. That's a rough go for how little time he played in the game. He played the entire first half, but that is a lot. If you take eight sacks in a game, that's uh, that's brutal. You're going to set an NFL record if you take right. eight sacks every game. But if you look at the game, there were, what, there were two plays where he spun out of a sack. Like, he had about two seconds on the drop back, spun out of a sack. One of them was Everson Griffin, and one of them was Barr. And after he spun, he tried to run instead of throwing it away, and he got caught from behind because those are two A-plus athletes. And those, you could argue, were a mistake on his part. He should have just gotten rid of the ball. Just throw it away, yeah. And those types of plays do two things. The first is they give up the sack. But the second problem with it is those inflate that number on how long it takes him to get the ball out because now you're talking about like a handful of eight-second plays, which can create an issue there. The other thing is like there, there's also um, – it was in the second quarter and uh, there was a stunt on the right side where they overloaded uh, – they overloaded the right side and the line didn't shift to catch the blitz. And it was a jailbreak, and he got someone put their shoulder up underneath his shoulder pad, and he couldn't get his arm out to get rid of the ball. Oh, okay. And so, you know, there were a couple of pass plays where I thought that and the Linvale Joseph sack, where he stepped up into the pocket, oh, yeah, and yeah. Linvale just made a nice play, shifting to the side on the guard and bringing him down, which Linvale Joseph is a really good defensive tackle. I think those are the two legitimate ones. The jailbreak was on the offensive line. And the Linville Joseph sack was the type of sack that good players get. Everson Griffin getting a sack is pretty legitimate, too. I think four feels like a lot, but I think there's a story behind each of them, and they kind of make sense. Like, I'm not ready to worry about Russell Wilson just yet. Okay. I'm more worried about the pass blocking of our tackles. Yep. It feels like... Our outside, our outside yeah. contain... We're not going to be able to... The, it seems like the tackles are just running backwards on the on the snap. That's not the way you want to play tackle in the NFL. Uh, if you do that, you're just going to run straight back into your quarterback, and it's going to cause problems for for the team. I wonder if having Nick Vanette, who's a legitimate pass-blocking tight end, if we can maybe use him to help bolster one side of the line. I'm wondering if we'll see more of that. They can dig it. Like there, There's a lot of things we can do to try to hide these things, and I think that we're not doing very many of them uh, right now. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, just to kind of hide our hand. Vanilla they're, play calling. They're letting him hold the ball. They're telling him, you know, go out, run this play, let it develop. And, you know, if he takes a sack, he takes a sack. Like, that's what happens, you know. Like, they're trying to see what, what they have out there. And these games don't count, so you can't freak out if, like I said, it took four sacks. That's a lot. But I'm not freaking out about it because in the regular season, I don't think he would have taken four sacks. One, we would have ran a lot of read option plays to keep them off balance, which totally changes the, the tempo of the game. Um, you, the read option play is like the key to the Seattle offense. And you don't want to run it 
10, 15 times in a preseason game because you're going to get your guys hurt. You don't want Russell Wilson to tackle the whole bunch. And you don't like want that. Anthony yeah, no Barr kidding. teeing off on your all-pro quarterback <laughs> a bunch no. of times. And he's allowed to just kill him on that play, even if he gives the ball up. So, yeah, you don't want to do that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's anything to freak out about. Uh, we played pretty good. Uh, we could play better. There's things they can improve. And I, I think the more interesting stuff to talk about is guys that are on the fringes of the roster because that's where the real action is in the preseason game. Guys who are on the edge, like like a Pope or uh, or Trayvon Boykin. Uh, yeah, who's really, in my opinion, impressed. Yeah, Trayvon Boykin, Trayvon Boykin will be a very good backup quarterback. I feel real good about having him as a backup. He yeah. does the types of things you need to do to succeed in our offense. He's like a slower Russell Wilson, but and I mean he's drawn that comparison, yeah. but he's certainly not better, as slow as Tavares. Certainly better than Jake Heaps. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I don't like Jake Heaps. Let's uh let's go to some things we saw on defense. Uh Nathan, are there any position battles that you want to talk about? I don't about want to talk about a position battle as much as I want to talk about how much I really like the Tony McDaniel signing and how I think it sucks for some of these guys that are on Great the Great kayaking like trip. Just, like Justin Hamilton, uh or uh Quentin Jefferson. These guys that are like we can't keep all D'Angelo Tyson, these guys, we can't keep all of them, and it sucks for them because Tony McDaniel is making this team, and he looked really good, and he, it's weird because they say he was just, he was posting on Instagram about how he was taking his family out camping, and they're like, wait, Tony McDaniel's just out taking his family camping, let's give him a call. And they called him, and he's like, yeah, I'll come in. I'll play football, you know, and he's great. He's, I'm really excited about how, adding him to the rotation at tackle. I think that's a big, big move for us, and, um, I'm very excited about our defensive line depth got even better, which, you know, it's good because Hill has injury history and we don't know exactly what Jaron Reed is giving us yet. Um, I'm pretty confident Frank Clark is a really good rotation defensive end. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that anymore. But yeah, I'm, it's, I like Tony McDaniel and I'm excited what he's bringing to the squad. Yeah, I really agree. I think that Jaron Reed is a good run stopper. Um, we know what we have in a type of Ruben. And so I love what McDaniel brings because Hamilton was a little up and down in that first game. And if you look, our second and third string had a little bit of trouble against the run in that Kansas City game. Here we have a Minnesota team that's really good at running. They got 2.7 yards per carry. Yep. And Shut them down. McDaniel was a big part of that because he can rotate in. So now I think Quentin Jefferson stays because A, he was a draft pick this year, and B, he offers a little bit different of a skill set. I think you're right. I think that Hamilton's probably just lost his job when Hill gets back. And I feel like that it doesn't bode well for anyone else, I think. Yeah. What? Okay, let's talk about the other interesting defensive stu- uh, things. What about uh, the battle for the uh, outside linebacker spot? Do you think Morgan's got that wrapped up? Cassius Marsh, Brock Coyle, Kevin Pierre-Lewis? Like, who's going to be starting at that third linebacker spot uh, with K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner? I like Cassius Marsh in that in that spot. Um, I think Cassius Marsh will be on the defensive end rotation. I actually, like, I noticed Morgan played this time. And <laughs> he was in on some tackles. He didn't screw up. But this brings in what I wanted to talk about on defense, and that is what's still the biggest weakness on our defense. And I'm interested in how these battles play out um, to address it. And that is we got torched by tight ends over the middle mm-hmm. and running backs on passing plays coming out of the backfield. All right. And that feels like coverage linebackers, You're ready which to... Morgan didn't really do that well. You're getting ready to unleash the dragon. This and, is my pet peeve. By the way, Deshaun Shedd played lights out. Yep. And Deshaun Jeremy Shedd. Lane played great coverage in Deshaun, the slot. 
Shed and Lane are making the team. I'm not. I, and I think I, Shed's I our come starter. Back, let's come back to that in a minute, though, because uh, I want to say KJ Wright. Okay, if you're listening and you're not, but if you are, <laughs> you make a lot of money and you don't rush the passer, which means you should be doing something, and that's stuffing runs and covering tight ends. And if you're not doing those things, you are not making. You are not earning that money. And so KJ Wright. Please stop giving up so many yards to tight ends. Thanks. Sign Nathan Sano. Well, and why is Bobby Wagner in the coverage on the tight end on a lot of those plays? I don't understand. No. Like if we're running a three tight end, a uh, three excuse me, a three linebacker set. If you're in our four three base defense, why is then, Wagner coming across to do, to help right there? It's, exactly, it doesn't make any sense to me. And Wagner was who I saw get burned on two of those deep tight end throws. That should have been either Morgan or KJ, and Wagner would be um, helping over the middle. Wagner got burned on the Cincinnati game. That's the the Bengals game where we that was Wagner and Cam. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to go to secondary now? Uh, since we're talking about passing game, you I ready? like it absolutely. All right. So. We got, okay, let, let's start with safeties, okay? Because I think there's a pretty interesting battle going on at safety. We've got... Between Cam Chancellor and Kelsey McRae? Well, that, too. McRae is playing great. But I'm just going to leave that to the side for now because I'm going to say Earl Thomas, Kelsey McRae, and Cam Chancellor, you got a job. Like yeah. You are on the team. Kelsey McRae is probably the best depth secondary guy I can imagine. Like I'm so happy with how good he is playing both safety positions, and he could probably even sub in at corner. In a now that Shed's pitch. a starting corner... We officially have a great safety backup because yeah. so, Shed was it before. Then probably one other safety is going to make the team. Is, is it Steven Terrell? Is it Brandon Browner? What do you guys think? It's Tyvis Powell. You think Tyvis Powell? Okay. That's, that's coming he from a different angle. Every single special teams, he's, he's a special team star. He's got size. He's got some cover skills. He can play a little corner if you need him to. He's got more flexibility than Browner. I think with McCray capable of backing up both safety spots, you give that roster spot to Powell because Powell's not the kind of player you is, can stash on the uh, practice squad. Is there a chance two of those guys make the team, and they would be that would be at the expense of like Marcus Burley or Ty Smith, or DeAndre Elliott or Trevon Reed? I could see like Marcus Burley not making this team. I think we talked about that a little last week. I could see one of Burley or Smith not making it, but that gets us kind of thin at corner. I mean, and we're probably so, keeping five corners. That's where I was going to go next. I was going to say because we're we're keep we got, okay. Sherman Lane, Shed, and Simon are are going to be there. I think yeah. those guys are pretty solid. Uh, Simon made up for some some ills last week. I thought he played pretty decent, and obviously the team is obsessed with him. Like yeah. they love the dude. So we're just Theroux Simon's making the team. That leaves us with uh, Browner and Terrell. Uh, Burley, Trevon Reed, DeAndre Elliott, probably all fighting for like one, maybe two spots, depending on what we do at, uh, up front. What you have know? you guys seen from Browner in the preseason, though? Because he seems like a ghost on the field. I've seen him in on a couple of run plays. I feel like they're trying but to that's use about him. It. They're trying to use him like as like a crossover guy, the same way that Arizona uses the WSU safety. Uh, Buchanan, uh, Deion Buchanan. Deion yeah, Deion Buchanan. Buchanan. They're trying to like shove him into the box and say like, be big and strong. But the thing about the difference between Deion Buchanan and Brandon Browner is at this point in his career. Brandon Browner's slow, like he's really slow. And yeah, he's more linebacker De- speed, and that's De- the problem. Deion Buchanan is fast. He's like he's like linebacker strength and cornerback yeah. safety. Speed. He can he and can. Browner is take like the field. a little slow. He's a little slower. He's fast. You know, he's he's faster than me. I'm not going to outrun Brandon Browner, but he's slow for a, an NFL cornerback. So I'm I'm worried that I don't want us 
at this point, I don't want us to keep Browner. He hasn't shown me enough in the preseason, and I think that keeping him would be at the detriment of losing like a Burley, a Ty Smith, uh, one of these guys that I think really deserves a shot. To, it has more upside. Yeah. Yeah, we know what Browner is. He is who we think he is. Yeah. And that is, you know, a player that was terrible on New Orleans last year, a player that yeah, he is, is like, no he, longer an outside like corner. one of the lowest rated pro football focus players last year? He was absolutely awful. He was the most like, penalized too, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's um, and part of it's because he's a step slow. And the other thing is, if you're keeping McRae, if you're keeping Powell, if you're keeping Shed, those are all players that can fill that like box corner role. Mm-hmm. And don't underestimate... If Jeremy Lane ends up being the nickel corner, he is a plus tackler for his size at yeah. corner. Yeah, like, he's a guy who can hit. Yeah, that that defense with uh, with when we come out with two safeties and three cornerbacks, and it's Shed, Lane, Sherman, Chancellor, Thomas. Those guys can line up all different places on the field too. I mean, we know where Earl will be, and we know where uh, Sherman Sher- yeah. Sherman will be. But but like Chancellor, Lane, and Shed. I mean, those guys could be a lot of different spots. You know, Cam can be up to tw- – he can be back from the line or he can be within five yards of the line. And we can move Shed around to accommodate that. Or we could put Lane on the outside or on the inside. Like, I think that it's interesting they can play a little bit with those uh, secondary packages it because the flexibility of the players. And then, of course, you have Earl Thomas to cover up if anybody screws up. So you can really, really play with the flexibility of all these players. It makes it exciting to watch. Well, then you throw in players like Marsh and Shed that can drop into coverage. Mm -hmm. And, uh, excuse me, Marsh and Bennett who can drop into coverage if need be. And suddenly things get really difficult for a defense. Like, I feel like... Yeah, you There's could, a lot of depth that can stunt in really interesting ways. You could see guys getting just lost on an assignment and us not having to send five guys to get a pass rush or anything like that, which is the ideal. The ideal is you want to send four dudes and you want to have people covered and you want to get a pass rush with four dudes. That's the that's the gold standard in the NFL. If you can pull that off, you can cover up a lot of stuff if you're getting to the passer with four dudes. And then this team has the flexibility to be creative in how they pull that off. It doesn't just have to be Bennett destroys the guy on every play, which is a thing that will happen. Bennett <laughs> yeah. will Bennett will destroy a guy a bunch of times, but there there's other ways we can do it now too. It's Sometimes not, Abel destroys a guy. It doesn't just <laughs> have to be Bennett, Averill, and Frank Clark just going one-on-one and killing a dude and ripping his head off and drinking the blood. Wait. That, they don't do that, do they? It's a little extreme, sorry. Uh, do you think Ty Smith is making this team? He's on the bubble. He's on the bubble for sure for me, man. It's like, oh, I want he him shows to. some good. He's shown some, some not as good. Yeah, he's again, he's one of those guys where, like, I think he's shown more than Terrell. But Terrell's been playing against uh, higher quality opponents. Yep. So you got to wonder what the coaches are seeing. Yeah, and it's like, know? and Terrell, too, is like, he can play safety at corner. Like spot corner, not he's obviously not going to start at corner or anything, but let's not get crazy. Yeah. But he could play safety and corner, which and he's gives, it gives him some flexibility. Whereas Ty Smith, but Ty, does Ty Smith play on special teams? I haven't noticed. Uh, he does. But so that's that's I another don't think thing he's too. A primary special we have to keep these special teams guys because we lost our number one A one special teams guy last year in the game against the Cowboys. Uh, so I I'd like to see some uh, spring up some new kind of. Uh, Special all-time special teamers like Ricardo Lockett, like you know some special team stars, so to speak. Alex Bannister. I was about to say the next Alex for Bannister. For you old you got me. Seahawks fans, I love Alex Bannister. Who's, Six seven wide receiver. Alex yeah, we Bannister. we had Who couldn't some, catch. What was the line, what was the linebacker we had for a long time that went to like an Ivy League school that was like uh, a special team? You were talking about um, 
Oh god, uh, that guy was awesome. Yeah, he went to Harvard. Uh, oh, Nico Kudovides. Oh, yeah. thank you. That, that that guy was good on special teams, man. Like we've had some. The Seahawks have been kind of blessed to have some really cool, good special teams players, and we got the best one now, Tyler Lockett. Even though yeah. I mean, we, we didn't bring him up in this podcast, stud. but he is a he is a real stud. And by the way, some of the catches he's making this preseason make uh, they set my loins ablaze. Like man, they are just he's making stellar catches. Like as a wide receiver, he's just got so much rhythm with Russ. <laughs> like. I, I cannot contain my excitement for I know, this young man. I know that Doug Baldwin's our number one, but I feel like Tyler Lockett could take that from Doug Baldwin. They do they do They're wonderfully different, different things yeah. to complement each other. That's cool. Absolutely. That's the best you part. You could not get better You want than guys that. that do different things. You don't want like a bunch of possession guys or whatever. Okay, one more thing because we've got to get out of here. Uh, I want to know, does Jari Evans make the team? In mm. your opinion, we're looking really strong on the inside of the line. Like... If we shift a Fetty, yes. If we don't, he's on the bubble. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say yes. He I get it. the feeling that he's he's not going to make the team, which kind of surprises me a little bit. because That says good things about our interior line. But I think our interior line is playing good enough now that it doesn't seem totally necessary. You're right. If they kick a Fetty out to right tackle because Jamarcus Webb is that disappointing, then Jari Evans has a really good shot to make the team. Well, Fetty is probably going to be kicked out at some point. It's just, is he ready? And Is it this year? Yeah. When, Before the bye. I, I wanted to bring it up this week, but I think I'll bring it up for next week. I'll save it because we're going up against a, a less than palpable Dallas defense. But, uh, you know, the, the pass rush is, is a little concerning. Like I said, I want to kind of get into that next week. Maybe that'll change. But um, with – I'm sorry, I, I just switched gears there. Uh, Fetty, I feel like I don't want to rush him into the role of an outside offensive lineman. But, man, the our offensive line is awful. And also, Fetty looks good. Like, he does. It's it's like he looks vicious, and he, he's out there just ran, just running people over. You kind of like want to be like, well, what would he be like on the outside? You know, you kind of you kind of imagine. That huge. Yeah, he's a monster. Well, here's the thing, though. So we're going into the third preseason game where the starters play the most. This is the week to watch careful. Look at who's getting snaps with starters. That's going to be telling for where the roster battles are. Because they'll want to get you out there with Earl Thomas behind you. Or they'll want to get you rushing behind the first-team offensive yeah. line if, if to they, see what you can do in the If in they the throw season. Troy Main Pope out there on the first or, or second or third drive, you'll be like, okay, Troy Main Pope has a real chance to make this team on the first roster. If they don't... If it's Alex Collins, then you know. If it's Alex Collins or even if it's like CJ Pro, it's just Christian or just tons of Christian Michael, you'll know, well, they're not even giving him a shot because they, they kind of feel like they're set at that position. It's if a, Lawler's getting a lot of snaps with the, with Russell Wilson, that says a lot about Lawler. That yeah. tells you that he has a really good chance. Lawler's up to the fifth spot, and they're really giving him a, a good look. So keep an eye on those uh, those battles. Uh, watch those defensive linemen because there's lots of them, and they all got a shot. We got tons of good defensive and linemen. And they have a great test this week against a stellar Dallas O-line that we've been mm-hmm. talking about a lot. All right, so uh, like a, uh, go on iTunes and give us five stars. <laughs> uh, follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. Hit us up on Twitter, at Seahawks Nest. Uh, go to our Facebook, The Seahawks Nest, and uh, email us at admin at fromthehawksnest.com. I'm Nathan Santo. Kevin Garber. Eric Gronbeck. Uh See you later. <laughs> Like
I'm not good, but I'm 